This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the Blurring the Lines podcast. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis, and with me, as always, my co-host, Adam Bell. Hey, Peter. What's going on? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I was just saying, I was thinking of that song. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> ah. It's, uh, I mean, it's definitely straight on summer here in Tennessee. You know, we've got 100% humidity, mm. which is nice, actually, because we haven't had rain in probably four or five days so the humidity is meh but at least i'm not watering my lawn today now whenever i hear you know 100 percent humidity that sounds to me like you should need like scuba gear <laughs> you know because if it's a hundred percent out there that sounds like it's all water you know <laughs> so it's all how... water it's vaporized water it's like walking yeah. in a cloud yeah, do you like do you have gills or something? I mean, <laughs> no, but you do not stop sweating. Great. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, I'm not uh I'm I'm kind of not exaggerating. You just start sweating and you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not <laughs> selling up. <laughs> it's it's not so bad. Well, today <laughs> up here in in glorious Medford, Mass, it was um, in the low seventies, but high, you know, like eighty percent humidity when I went out for a run this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I did two miles pretty easy out, and then two miles hard on the way back. And when I came back, I was dripping. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was warm. So so it's it's ninety two here right now. <laughs> high of a three. <laughs> So we got one more degree. To one get more to, to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, with um, today, it's going to be it's it's like 80 something right now. And um, my girlfriend and I were thinking we were going to head to upstate New York this weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I was going to go and uh, visit wine country. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, then we looked at the weather forecast. It's supposed to be like stormy all weekend and temperatures in the high 80s mm-hmm. with an air quality alert over the weekend, too. Oh, wow. I was like, maybe not. So, uh, <laughs> but as it happens, it looks nice out in Western Mass. So we're going to go there and do some wineries down in Western Massachusetts instead. Well, and you sent me some pictures of you on a on a hillside. On a hillside. Which hillside was that? Oh, yes, that. That was uh, that was a couple of days ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, I took a took a week off and I went up to Vermont and uh, hung out with my uh, my folks up there. And while I was there, I did my semi by decade hike of <laughs> Camel's Hump Mountain. <laughs> yeah, Camel's Hump is the second tallest mountain in Vermont, and I have now hiked it three times. I did it once in kindergarten, <laughs> once in college, and mm-hmm. now like 30 years later, I did it the third time. Wow. Definitely so, this was my fastest of the three, too. You sent me the benchmark, but I don't I can't what was the height? What's the elevation? Oh well, why don't we go back? Um, I forget exactly how tall it is, but I gained, according to my watch, I gained two thousand two hundred and twenty-four feet. From where I parked. Um, I don't know. Hang on one second. Echo, how tall is Camel's Hump Mountain? Camel's Hump Mountain is 2,549 feet above sea level. So it's 2,500 feet above sea level. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, not not all that impressive, but it's only the only one that's higher is Mount Mansfield up in Vermont. Mm -hmm. So, and I toyed with going there, but I was like, yeah, let me just, let me return to Camel's Hump first. So, um, I definitely was, it was a hike. I was not trail running. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was working about as hard as if I had been, you know, doing a good trail run. So it was only, um, it was just, just, a under a five mile round trip. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, burned calories equivalent to, you know, doing like, you know, a 10 K or so. So I was working hard, you know, especially on the, on the way up, but on the way down, it's a more, 
you know, tricky kind of thing, picking and choosing. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's not just a trail. Most of the part, a lot of the, is not just like a trail where you're walking. It's like steps of rocks piled mm -hmm. up or carved into the side of the mountain. And um, yeah, there were, there were some, some pretty tricky parts. I used my poles. I used my, uh, my trail running poles and I was really glad to have had them. They made yeah. a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, there were definitely a couple of times they saved me from a couple of slips and falls too. So Mm -hmm. Yay, polls. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Uh, you know, the it looked like it was pretty cool there on the top. On the top, it was very cool. Yeah, I got right to the top and just about like two minutes before the summit, I uh, had to, you know, where all the trees cleared out and had to throw my jacket on. Mm -hmm. But all the way up to that, prior to that, it was just, you know, T-shirt and sweating the whole way up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just hot, but you got right to the top and, you know, suddenly there's like buffeting super strong winds and, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, cool down. All right. That felt good. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and I'm going to hike, I'm going to hike Mount LeConte here at the end of the month. And it's, it's 6,000 some odd feet above sea level. Okay. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a rigorous up and down, but I mean, medium, medium rigorous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For for somebody who just who never hikes, uh, they would find it very difficult. But yeah. somebody who likes to hike, you know, I mean, not extreme hikers, just a hobby hikist, they'd be like, eh, yeah, there were parts of it or there parts of it are challenging. Uh, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it's just walking uphill, avoiding rocks. I mean, and that's where I fall in. I'm I'm not an avid hiker. I right. like hiking, uh, but I'm not going to scale something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're not rappelling down the side of this thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, I, you mentioned the poles and you know, I used to kind of scoff at the poles. You, you don't need those, but yep. it is really, I, I, I don't, I usually use one on the way up, but mm -hmm. I like to use two on the way down mm -hmm. because having four points on the ground when one of those points comes loose it sure mm -hmm. is nice to have those <laughs> mm -hmm. other points holding on <laughs> absolutely no it, it really makes a difference but so i bought these poles for trail running you know for mm -hmm. like hill hill runs and stuff mm -hmm. um and i've only used them a, a handful of times and you know like i have to be in the mood uh, but they're fun. But since, you know, when you're trail, when you're running, you definitely want two poles. You don't want to be trying to three leg it, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so I use, you know, if I'm going to use one, I use both. And mm -hmm. uh, no, it was, it, it worked out well though. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. And, you know, they were not cheap. I bought these and they were like, I think they were like 200 bucks or something when I picked them up. They're like top of the line, but mm -hmm. don't regret it. They, they really, one thing that is really amazes me is they get, a really incredible grip they almost mm -hmm. never slip even when i'm just like going right up the side of a slick rock mm -hmm. they get a grip and they hold on really well so that's it's pretty nice do you so, use lakey the... poles l-e-i-k-i l-e-i-k-i do you use the rubber feet or do you use the tungsten tip these are tungsten yeah these are yeah. like the, these things eat rocks yeah <laughs> <laughs> so well cool yeah but yeah, that I was thinking, man, it'd be nice and cool on top of the mountain. That'd be nice. Uh, what, was. Yeah. We have, well, one of my friends has made fun of me, says I'm, you know, uh, right now I'm on the pursuit of endless summer. And, you know, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> why would you? Well, why would you not? I uh, got news for you. The whole world is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the past few years we've gone out west for our for our summer vacations mm -hmm. and it has it has been cold until mm -hmm. where we've gone i mean it's like well you're gonna have pants you're gonna have a long sleeve shirt and you're you'll be hot enough during the day to take off the long sleeve shirt but the long sleeve shirt enough alone is not enough to keep you warm once that sun goes down mm-hmm mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that I know that temp that uh, that phenomenon well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's gonna be like the out. out uh, it's I guess it's supposed to be like in the seventies or eighties. Um, you know, in Western Mass this weekend, so mm -hmm. like it has been here, but uh, hopefully not. Uh, I don't know. I'll bring a light jacket. I'll be fine. 
Okay. We're going to be doing mostly indoor stuff too, you know, like wine tasting more than, you know, the like, oh, those are grapes. Okay, great. Yeah, I've seen that before. Tell, yeah. Show me to the wine. <laughs> so we went to we went to Canada right across from New York. So we went in the Niagara area and they did so they did the cold press of their grapes, their ice wine. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if you were going to go into that area. Of course, I I think they have non-ice wine um, grapes as well. But I I thought it was pretty Mm -hmm. cool. I mean, the the concept of, you know, you mush the grapes and the, you know, when they're frozen, you know, it's just like putting vodka in the freezer. You know, the only thing that's going to be liquid in those frozen grapes is the, you know, things for alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. things for alcohol i like yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah that's uh it was it was interesting it was uh i i don't know it was really expensive from the standpoint of the cost of making it the cost of you know buying it uh when it didn't taste all that much better you know <laughs> mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. just unique in what mm-hmm. you were getting yep yeah something to talk about Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what I was doing when I, you know, when I was, um, uh, you know, making my own beer, you know, it was just like it wasn't that much better than, you know, it wasn't better than some of the beers I've had. Definitely. There are people out there doing a better job than I have, mm-hmm. but uh, it was fun. It was a talking point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, cool. Oh, well, speaking of that, I've got a weird kind of a weird phenomenon and I'll have to look at it. So I, I bottled some beer last uh last winter not okay. not winter of 2022 but actually 2021 okay. and and i made this porter and i let it sit for in the primary fermenter for three months i just i didn't get around to it and that's kind of a no-no or i mean okay. not in the primary it was in the secondary fermenter so primary was plastic bucket glass carboy for the second fermentation typically you go you know two weeks maybe three you just want to make sure that all of the uh all the sugar has gone out of it uh so like i said i went three months in that secondary and you don't do that Mm -hmm. because uh you take a risk of um bad things getting into it microbes causing bad tastes it's just you know it's it puts it at risk i mean if it's sealed it shouldn't get in, but it can. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. I So I tasted it, tasted good. So I bottled it and I'm like, well, I won't have any over carbonation. That's for sure. You know, cause there's no sugar left in it. Right. And, ate it all. Yeah. And then I started uh, drinking some later. Of course I had just a little bit of sugar to recarbonate it. Now they're over carbonated. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had that same problem. That was like like my last batch of beers that I was making. They were overcarbonated and like, you know, foaming like, like Mentos in Diet Coke kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't know how to fix that. Yeah. There's nothing you can do once it's overcarbonated. The the only thing you can do is you can take that beer to as close to freezing as you can get it. And that'll reduce that'll just reduce the physical activity of of the carbon dioxide it'll just make it less vigorous doesn't okay. actually you know doesn't actually make it, it, it warmer the warmer it right. is the faster those molecules are moving the colder okay. the slower slows it so, down okay that makes sense yeah, uh-huh. yeah. so if you can get it almost close to freezing then it'll be a lot less but if you forget okay. about it it's going to burst in your fridge <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen once too. <laughs> no, so uh, I think what I'm going to do, since I'm the, I'm the one who likes to drink my homebrew, and I mean my friends do too, who are also homebrewers. But um, I'm just not going to carbonate any porters or stouts mm-hmm. because they seem to mm-hmm. over carbonate on me. I just won't carbonate they them at all because I don't mind it being flat. Uh, I mean, if that works. Yeah, <laughs> you just vigorously pour it. So when you pour it, let it glug, 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 you know, make big bubbles on the way in and it'll, mm-hmm. if bubble it's important, up. yeah, bubble up. Yeah. If it's really important, you could do like a nitrogen tablet. Okay. Okay. Really kick it up a notch. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does that work? I've never used nitrogen tablets. You just drop it in, or yeah, I've never used them either. But yeah, they just kind of bubble them up like a like an alcohol. But, but you do that like just before you drink it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not something you do in the brewing or the fermenting process. You do it after the fact. You know that that's what happens in um, the cans. Yeah, they just is that what that, that opens up and yeah, well, what? there's a nitrogen. I don't know what it. It's a little plastic ball. Yep. But when the change in pressure happens, it bursts and it goes and carbonates the drink right there for you. So I had a non-alcoholic Guinness um, about uh, about a month ago. And so mm-hmm. and it was the first time I had had one of those nitro tablets in a long time. And I always forgotten about that. I was like, what does that mean? Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I like Murphy's Irish Stout. They've got a good. That's one of my favorites. I don't know that one. Oh, it's really good. So <clears throat> I haven't made beer for a long time, but but earlier this week or last weekend, I did make something beer adjacent. Oh, okay. What did you make beer adjacent? Pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> they came out pretty well, too. I was pretty happy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I they were slightly overdone. So the, the oven was a little too hot. I had them on the top rack and I was baking. You know, the instructions called it like bake at 400 or 450 or something. Mm-hmm. And I think they would have been fine if I hadn't had them right on the top rack. So they're ever so slightly well done. Yeah. But um, they tasted good. The consistency was really good. And I was like, all right, now I know. Now I know how to make pretzels again. And I had only attempted once before about 10 years ago. I completely messed it up and I never tried again. And then I was, you know, if you look, I've seen, I don't know if you've noticed, like if you're at a bar or anything, but the price of pretzels is ridiculous. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. They want like, you know, $10, $12 for a large pretzel. Yeah. For, you know, I was like, all right, I mean, sure, you could say it's labor intensive, but it's not really that big a deal. So mm-hmm. yeah, I figured I'd make some for myself. I made four large pretzels and over the course of the day, I ate four large pretzels. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Somehow staying within my calorie budget for the day, though. So yeah, I yeah. <laughs> guess you didn't eat. You didn't get to eat that much. So <laughs> speaking of, I, you know, I know that you like kombucha. And you yes. have made it. I have. And I, I don't, I mean, it's one of those things that you've, you've seen it around enough around you, your friends, my daughter drinks it to the point of, I, I like, oh yeah, I've drank kombucha. And, and I realized I never have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, if you're, oh. it's kind of like just being around it, I would, I'd. I thought I had. And so I had this idea of what it tasted like. Um, I imagined it, you know, flavored with whatever flavoring it was and this like back end, very limited carbonation. And, um, you know, it might be, you know, depending on the flavor, it's all, you know, like if you want cucumber or you want lime or what, whatever, it's going to have that little bit. And whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not depends upon how it's flavored. Mm hmm. So I was at a uh, friends of mine do we do a book club and we were a book club on Wednesday and and I wasn't drinking but I wanted uh, I wanted something I mean I was I was like okay I'll try kombucha I'll try it. it was a it was a lime and cucumber and I had it I don't like kombucha it tastes <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like vinegar it tasted like I was I was drinking a uh, cucumber vinaigrette salad. <laughs> it is an acquired taste and you know you can definitely depending on how you brew it it can be more or less vinegary mm-hmm. um and the problem i was having was the last couple times you remember when i stopped brewing beer for a while or well when i stopped brewing beer and it has, has been a while i switched over to kombucha for a while but mm-hmm. then even then my kombucha wasn't coming out right either and i was like that's it i'm taking a break i just you know, mm-hmm. time off um, because even my, you know, I couldn't get it right. And it was coming out. It was like going straight to vinegar, just like yeah. that. And I was like, no, it's supposed to take like three days or whatever. And like one day in, it was already gone. It was vinegar. I was like, ah, you know, um, but it shouldn't really taste. It should have like a hint of vinegar, you know, a yeah. little bit of a flavor of that. 
but um, it shouldn't taste like, you know, this is outright vinegar. (laughs) Yeah. No, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't particularly like enjoy it. Like if I had, if I had five drinks, you know, I would, I mean, I wouldn't put it at the top of my drink list if, if there mm-hmm. were other things I liked in front of it. Like if there's a Coke Zero, I'd choose Coke Zero first. <laughs> you know, but there's other thing. If I had to choose from Diet Pepsi, I might choose the kombucha before Diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, like I said, I didn't, I was kind of meh on it. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I won't try others. I wouldn't mind trying others to see, you know, this, you know, this company makes this. I want to give it a give it a go i don't have a problem with that and i'm not one of those people that are like oh ah, i just can't drink this this is so awful i can't drink there's there's very few things that are so awful that i can't Mm -hmm. drink that are like other other people like i mean right (laughs) i mean there's ipas yeah but i can (laughs) drink an ipa i mean i i might not and i might not enjoy it like this is my favorite thing but i can drink an ipa yeah Unless I'm picking hops out of my teeth, I, if I <laughs> you know, if I was desperate, I could drink an IPA. I've, I've, I've actually in the last year or so, I have found a few, a few IPAs that are like, you know what, this is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's only been like two where I have said, yeah, I would, I would order this again, as yeah. opposed to if I was forced, you know. So. Yeah, I, I've had some summer IPAs that have a citrusy sharpness and high hops and mm-hmm. really really cold and i yep. have enjoyed those I'm like oh that's, that's pretty good yep. so cool yeah so anyway so i thought you'd think that was funny so i did <laughs> so i i dreamed about us podcasting last night you need to dream bigger <laughs> you need to dream bigger because because i was dream well so what i was thinking as i was thinking last night um you know, I found out my schedule was moving. I was like, I need to reach out to Peter, see if maybe we can, maybe we can record earlier uh, Mm -hmm. because I can't do it at our normal time because of the move and everything. Um, And I was like, well, so it was on my mind when we went to, when I went to bed. And then, so in my dream, you and I are podcasting and um, we were podcasting in the same house. And so I was in my part of the house and then you were in your part of the house and it wasn't really like a house. It was more like it was a building. It wasn't, it wasn't my house. It was never anywhere I'd been before, but you're talking and I cannot hear you like, but I can hear you in the other room because you're not that far away. So, so I can hear you talking, but it's not, it's not coming. It's not recording. And I'm saying, Peter, I can't hear you. Peter, I can't hear you. And you just start talking louder and you've got worked out this huge intro. You've got a live band over there with you hammering the drums and pulling out this big intro and it's huge. And you're like, this is so awesome, Adam. We can't wait to do the podcast today. And so then I come over, I mean, and the band's wailing. I'm like, Peter, I can't hear you what peter i can't hear and then somehow the room changes and it's not just you now there's like a whole bunch of other people in there and finally the noise just stops it was like a comedy routine it completely stopped no sound and i said peter we can't effing hear you (laughs) and and that was the only thing and and all the people in in the room were like people that you know, I really shouldn't cuss in front of <laughs> clients of yours, deacon at church, etc. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Like, you're like, oh, you can't hear me here. I'll, I'll, I'll fix that. Why don't you just say so? I mean, you have to shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, that's all it was, but it was still, it was kind of funny. Oh. <laughs> uh. So I've had I've had dreams like that, mm-hmm. not quite like that, but yeah. similar. So yeah, I wasn't naked, so so that was good. That's a plus. That's yeah. a plus. That's good. <laughs> Neither were you, so that's even better. Even better. <laughs> yeah. I no, I thought you were gonna say that your dream was that we were recording in the same house, and therefore I should come down to Nashville for a weekend. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can do that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> yeah, come on down and we'll 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 go out to the lavender farm and give you the tour there. And... There you go. You know, and it's not that big a deal. It's only what two, a couple hours. I don't remember how long the flight is now. I don't even think. Far. Yeah, it may be. To Boston, I want to say it's two two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah. So yeah, sure. I mean, if I'm gonna fly though, maybe I should just keep on going straight back to Puerto Rico. So yeah. <laughs> it's nice in Puerto Rico. It's nice in Puerto Rico. So. All right. Well, so you're right. a CISO guy. I, I I do play one on the internet. Yes. You play one on the internet. Mm -hmm. So I have well. I've uh, I've moved to Keeper uh, for my password okay. manager. Okay. And one of the things Keeper offers is the OTP field. So yes. The, so does one password. Yeah, one password. Um, my IT glue also does. Yep. Um, and so I have been em embracing the OTP so that I have it in Keeper, and now if my phone becomes unavailable and the password manager doesn't become backed up now i've got the otp rolling in my keeper yes well mm -hmm. um one of my guys said well you shouldn't do that because you're no longer in a multi-function you know he said you're no longer at a second device and i'm like well you are right i'm not mm -hmm. at a second device you know if somebody compromised my keeper got yep. my master password to that then they could get my otp and yes i would be up the river but as a CISO, i wanted to hear your <laughs> official <laughs> thoughts on that <laughs> so i've been thinking about this a lot lately because i use one password and one password also supports having your one-time password code you know your six-digit code generated right there in the app mm-hmm and at first I was like, well, that's no good because, you know, your second factor is now right there with mm -hmm. it. But normally, and apologies if you can hear the dogs barking, the uh, the neighbor dogs are visiting downstairs. <laughs> um, but they also like that second, um, normally that two factor token that I have is on the same device. It's just on a different app. Mm -hmm. So... I guess the the risk is that somebody would somehow compromise that specific app on your phone, mm -hmm. right? Because if, you know, they could compromise both the app and the, um, well, if they could compromise the whole phone, they would have access to both of my apps, you know, the one that has the password and the one that has the, the one-time password in it. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what are the attack vectors to break into the Keeper app or the 1Password app on my phone? Mm -hmm. Other than physical or like looking over my shoulder, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what they are, right? I don't know how you would get access because those one-time passwords, I'm assuming Keeper does it the same way that 1Password is. Um, it's tied to the specific install of the app. Mm -hmm. So just like you have like um, certain things, like I use um, Authy and, you know, from Twilio and that does synchronize the seeds across all of my Authy devices. Mm -hmm. So I have it on my iPad, my iPhone or my Android phone. I can have the same six digit code show up on all of those. Mm -hmm. um, one password doesn't do that. And I didn't realize like I added the token on my Mac, uh, my desktop copy of one password. And then I open up the iOS version and there's no one time password there. And I thought it was going to be a synchronized thing. So it's arguably that's more secure because they're never holding it. You know, they're mm -hmm. never holding the seed to take to the other devices. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm okay with it. Okay. Um, you know, and, and at this point now I, I have a couple of my one-time passwords stored in one password. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the times when I want to do that is when I know I will always be using my desktop or my Mac to access a website and I'll be pulling the password out of that. Okay. 
Because if it's something where I'm going to be doing it on the phone, I don't want the code. I don't want to have to go from my phone to my Mac mm -hmm. to get a one-time password, right? That workflow does not make any sense. Yeah, Going from my Mac to my phone, that makes sense. So uh, I don't know. Uh, right now, I think I'm okay with it. Now, mm -hmm. I have not gone and started a mass migration. You know, I added a couple. Um but when I did that, I also re-added them back into the Authy app as well. So I have them in both, you know, in two platforms. So definitely the most convenient would be to have it everywhere. You know, I have it in the mm -hmm. Authy app, have it on the, you know, on the one password app, et cetera. But uh, a wise person once posted on Usenet uh, decades ago, security and convenience are inversely proportional. <laughs> so, you know, but just by virtue of having those passwords there, you are lowering your security posture because you are elevating your exposure, right? You're yeah. vulnerable to another something, right? Mm -hmm. But again, you know, what is that attack vector? How could someone attack the one per password app? I don't know. Cause I don't know, you know, I don't know what the one per password, like it does talk to the one password servers, Right, mm -hmm. because they do synchronize a password database. Yeah. So you know, some sort of intercept, you know, there I suppose could cause a problem. But again, if they did that, you know, they're not going to be intercepting just the one-time password. They're going to be doing my entire database. Mm -hmm. So again, but that's this is where you would say, okay, Peter. But if they did that and they somehow managed, well, again, if that six-digit code or the seed was getting passed back and forth, which apparently it's not then mm -hmm. that would be intercepted. So I don't, you know, from what I know about it, and again, I have not done a deep dive. I haven't dug into the white paper to see how they've architected this, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So just knowing what I know about this, I think it's okay. You know, yeah. I, I think I think it's probably not a bad thing. So. Yeah. See, I've got, I mean, Keeper, they, I've got it on my phone and on my um on my computers it's a chrome i've got the chrome plugin mm -hmm. uh, it does time out and it does reset every time i close the browser so i have to enter my master password every time i open up the browser because okay. it it closes it out i don't i don't want it to automatically remember um, okay it's a, I mean, it's not that big a deal for me to enter it in, but it is synchronized between my phone. So that OTP is in every, it is in my Keeper vault. So I can access my vault through the plugin, through the web page, through my phone. And so I can get that, that password on all, on any of those devices. But it is, like you said, convenience. Uh, the convenience is now I can go to a, a website put my username, put my password. And then when the OTP comes up, it'll, it'll drop it right in there for me. And mm -hmm. that is convenient. Yep. <laughs> I, I, so I think at this point I have gotten so accustomed to going into the, uh, the Authy app on my phone to get mm -hmm. my, my, my codes. I will likely just add them to my one password desktop and not bother adding them to the one password iOS app. Because mm -hmm. I don't really, you know, it's you could argue again if you have to go into it, but I would say 90% of the time on iOS when I'm filling it out, I'm going to a website. I, you know, I'm in a browser or whatnot, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, enter your password and you just tap the passwords button and it auto fills. Mm -hmm. So I'm not usually launching an app. Yeah, And if I had to get the one-time password, I don't know if it would autofill those. I don't know if the one-password app for iOS will autofill the one-time password as well. Mm -hmm. If it did that, then I could see a benefit, you know, again, from a convenience perspective, not from a security perspective, mm -hmm. uh, of using that because mm -hmm. it... Um, you know, it makes sense because I don't have to open up an app. I don't have to do the, you know, go through the 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 step of actually firing up an app, copying, you know, finding and copying a password. So. Yeah. the My exception to that rule, or well, I, like I said, I'm migrating things into Keeper. I am not migrating my most sensitive things from a, from a business standpoint. So mm -hmm. like my, my, my ticketing system, my RMM, I'm not putting those automatically because if somebody did 
compromise my keeper account. Mm -hmm. They would have that information. And I, I don't want that, <laughs> but I'm doing things like, like my PAX eight. Um, it would be very inconvenient for me, mm -hmm. uh, but it could, it wouldn't be compromising my clients. So question, um, without, with, if the, First off, considering your operational security before you answer this question, mm -hmm. where where are you keeping your most sensitive passwords? Oh no, no, I, I'm keeping them in Keeper, but okay. um, I'm keeping them MFA out of Keeper. Ah, okay, okay. So I'm, got it. So I'm still keeping. I'm having to have two separate devices got it, for got it. those. Okay, mm -hmm. got it, got it. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah, that's like I said, that's just the in case somebody does get my keeper password, then they have my security password. They still don't have my got MFA. It, got, it. <laughs> got it. Okay. All right. Cool. So, plus, I'm sure my insurance agent would lose their mind. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of insurance, <laughs> nice segue there, by the way. Insurance um, is the devil. Insurance is the devil. I have been working with a client of mine to help them qualify for cyber insurance. I've got a pitch right after you do this, What right after you say whatever you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> well, um, they, so, so the thing is they showed me, um, they, they showed me the um, questionnaire that cyber mm -hmm. insurance asked them. Which, and yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, basically, these questionnaires are, you know, essentially becoming like mini audits, you know, mm -hmm. these days. And uh, so they, you know, they showed me these things and I looked at them and I was like, okay, yep, I, I get these. Um, these are not accurate. You say you're doing X and you're not. You are or, not. You said you were doing it on, you know, yes, you're saying you're doing this, but you have it installed on one system. Mm -hmm. You really need to have it installed across your entire enterprise. You know, you mm -hmm. can't just say like, yes, we we protect systems with 2FA. Yes, we do protect some systems with 2FA. I mean, yes, you can say that, but understand they won't pay if you file a claim, <laughs> right? So <laughs> what's the point of going through these hoops and lying, right? The point of doing these questions is to get cyber insurance in the event of a, you know, to restore mm -hmm. you to functionality in the event of a financial calamity. That's not going to happen if you lie, right? Yeah. So, you know, like that, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So I've been helping them with that. And um, yeah, it was uh, kind of fun, but what's your, uh, what's your, what's your follow-up? What's the follow-up? Okay. So, it turns out Sublime is now going to be offering compliance as a service. Okay, in what the sense? Si the situation that you just described, uh, it's happening with PII, or um, I'm sorry, PCI. PCI mm -hmm. compliance now, it used to be, like you described, you answer questions. I mean, mm -hmm. you have these things in place and they're pretty much Yes, 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 yes. We have firewalls in place. We have antivirus in place. We have two-factor authentication. We have least privilege in place. Yes, yes, yes. They're like, okay, fine. Send us the policies and send us the proof that you're doing these quarterly checks and, you know, <laughs> all these things. And mm -hmm. so here, here's where, you know, we are now having to do this. And the problem is uh, my company is an IT company. We are mm -hmm. not a legal company. So if we are writing policy that's going to be legally binding between us and the insurance company, the regulator, whether it's PCI, HIPAA, NIST, NCUA, you know, they, they want these policies and everything. But they're saying you give us your policies and they need to be legally correct. Mm -hmm. like, We're not lawyers. I mean, I don't, I don't, you don't want me writing your policy because who knows what I may agree, you know, make you agree, say that you're doing. So we are now engaged with a company who is doing our compliance for our clients for us. And they're going to do all of these 
okay. all of these different compliance bodies. So whichever one they've got to do, CMMC, NIST, whatever, they come in, they do the audit, they do the remediation, they, well, they give us the remediation to do because we're mm -hmm. the IT company. They say, here's mm -hmm. the remediation you need to do. Here are the policies that you need to be NIST compliant because I don't know what they need to be to be NIST compliant. Right. Unless I want to go out to the NIST list and yep. peruse thousands of pages. Yep. <laughs> so, so they'll do that for me. And then they'll do the monthly follow-ups. And then you have a question on that? I, I do. So I'm, I'm curious, like, are they, so do they, will you be interfacing with your client then? Or does this third party do all of the interfacing directly with the client? The third party will be interfacing with me and the client. So we'll okay. be we'll be involved because yep. any of the IT stuff, we're going to have to do it. Any yep. of the business stuff, they're going to have to handle, address their business side of things, mm -hmm. physical security, you know, that files and stuff like that. Yep. I'm, I'm curious because uh, back when I was in Robin Robbins, I met up with one of the vendors who was, um, uh, who was offering that, that sort of service. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> they were, um, you know, they were, they were focusing on like HIPAA compliance. Mm -hmm. Essentially that was their, their main focus, but I've definitely worked with a few other groups and I was, I'm curious, like, do they start off just with like cookie cutter, you know, templates or do they start, I'm sure they must be, they must be starting off, you know, with, with cookie cutters, you know, from mm -hmm. scratch and, or not, not from scratch. And then just filling in the blanks and stuff. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear how that works. Yeah. Policy generation has never been my strong point. You no. Know? And and it's, I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. So no, it's not it's not my it's not my thing. And I know as a you know as a CISO that is something that people expect. But that's where I generally lean on you know one of my colleagues for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe I'll lean on chat GPT for some of that, <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, you think I'm joking, but, um, seriously though, I'm curious to see how they work and what the process is like. Cause mm -hmm. I find when it comes to generating policies, that's one of the places where I get like the least amount of buy-in working with the customers. They just mm -hmm. want to like, yeah, whatever, just, just put something down, just say something, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. but you have to actually follow this once it's done. Are you ready to do that? You know? Yeah. So. Well, and that's where, I mean, just being completely honest, if, if I were getting you to write the policies for my company, I would tell you, you write it how, however you want and feel like is appropriate. I'm going to read it and mm -hmm. I'm going to look at what you say I'm going to do. And then yeah. I may, I may come back to you and say, Peter, I can't, no, I can't agree to do this. This is yeah, but but that's just it. You have to, you know. That's yeah. that's the whole point is, mm -hmm. um, because too many times, like I I remember, to, I've seen places where they're like, yeah, well, you know, our our policies are more like guidelines. Like, no, guidelines are guidelines. Policies are policies. And <laughs> yeah. if you're not following, you know, if you are telling me that you're telling me we don't follow our policies, you need to change your policies. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Right. I've definitely had those conversations before. And um, so it's just it's you know, it's interesting. It's it's not my favorite space, though. So, yeah, um, I'm more of a you know, I do like editing policies, cleaning them up, rewriting them for, you know, sanity's sake, uh, you know, just saying, look, look, this isn't you know really what you this isn't doing what you think it's doing or, mm -hmm. you know, policy that says something like all computers will be protected by semantic antivirus uh, and like, well, that's dated, huh? You know, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, procedures that say, you know, like if this problem arises, get in touch with bill. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want to talk to the director of end user support and not yeah. bill. Right. You know, stuff like that. So yeah. just, just cleaning up things. And you know, when I say like, look, there's no way you're going to, you know, meet this policy and they're like, well, we want to be aspirational. I'm like, but <laughs> let's say you put this policy in place and you know, you're not following it. How's that going to look if you get audited? You know, how's that going to look if you have a data, you know, a breach incident kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always think, <clears throat> I mean, I long since have learned you you make everything on dynamic, meaning, you know, the IT department will address this. The the director, like you said, will address yeah. this, yep. you know, because the director changes. <laughs> yep. We will protect these systems with, you know, endpoint protection, right? You know, yeah. something like that. And, and it will be updated on a, an XYZ basis or something, right? But yeah. it's not, you know... We will update our antivirus definitions weekly, yeah. you know, from semantic <laughs> antivirus. So. <laughs> Whoops. <sighs> Oops. Now, so, so where we are in the process, uh, we, we have targeted one of our clients that's, that's highly regulated. Um, and we are, um, we're doing the compliance as a service with them. Sublime is paying for it, meaning well, I'm not charging the client for it because, mm -hmm. It's a, you know, on the job, you know, building out a process. So we're eating the cost of it and uh, it's going to be our pilot for doing it for all the rest of our clients as well, okay. which is, are not going to be free when we do it. Right. <laughs> I hope not. You deserve <laughs> yeah. to get paid. You deserve to get paid for your work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm more concerned about, uh, the compliance company doing a good job and knowing what they're going to do for the rest of my clients. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I wouldn't want to charge my clients and then turn around like, oh, this was a terrible experience. Well, Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is too, is we were looking at the same thing when we were going through that um, uh, HIPAA compliance offering. And, you know, the plan was that I was going to do that and then, um, you know, start turning around and selling it and mm -hmm. but you know we just never went anywhere it didn't didn't wasn't wasn't in my wheelhouse these days i could probably do more you know work in that space mm -hmm. so i mean i i have been doing i've been definitely assisting people but like you know if i had that tool now yeah that might be might be more of a there, there's more of a use case these days so yeah on. yeah i don't know it's it seems to be a little bit easier to sell compliance than it would have been when you were in robin robbins and guess 20 10 years ago 10 yeah because nine eight eight ten years ago yeah it's not uh you know you you had to be hipaa compliant but so many of my hipaa compliant businesses were like oh well we have this through our malpractice insurance and it, mm. it's done through that and i'm like i bet it's not as good as what we're intentionally doing but mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is well, the compliance landscape has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so people are a lot more, um, you know, uh, more aware of suits and regulators cracking down even on smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're aware that they're getting breaches, but I think cyber insurance really is becoming the driver for compliance. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what's where it's coming from. It's like, oh, do you want to have insurance? And and a lot of places are just like, we're, you know, we'll self-insure or something like that. You know, cyber insurance premiums are going through the roof. Yeah. Um, but I think in my experience, most of the companies I work with still want to have it though. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're, they're not choosing to operate without it. So then, and now essentially, you know, they're having to go through this mini audit through cyber insurance saying, how mm -hmm. do you do this? Describe your process for that. You know, mm -hmm. do you have this in place? Do you have that in place? So mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing. You know, I think yeah. it's good, not just good for business, but it's making the, you know, the customers, the cyber insurance customers clean up their act. And, you know, if that's what it takes then that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other motivator for me is, you know, of, of outsourcing this to a third party expert that this is all they do is I don't want to be sued. That's just it. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to get, well, for you outsourcing compliance policy generation, you don't want to get sued. Yeah. And, you know, same thing for your clients. If they're in a regulated industry, they don't want to get sued for not having a policy in place. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, who, like I said, I could, I could, you know, if they have, if the insurance or, you know, whoever has, you know, like these 10 things have to be in place. And if I've got only eight of those in place, they're like, oh, well, we don't, we don't have to pay. You're at fault. You owe the, yep. you owe the breach money. Yep. Have fun. No, I told you. 
the the my insurance company for my cyber insurance security insurance they made me tell all of my clients what services that we offer and what services that they are not paying for because these people are coming back and saying i didn't know you offered that service and it's your fault that i didn't know that you offer that service not my fault for not buying it <laughs> and uh, and it's happening <laughs> that oh that makes me just want to punch somebody though i mean that yeah I, that was one of the things when i remember where um you know that was again one of robin's you know fear-mongering tactics that just didn't leave a good taste in my mouth was how um it, it was just it was a little in typical you know robin style uh explaining to people like you know how you are um you're 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 you know you're voluntarily accepting the risk of not having a backup and disaster recovery uh mm -hmm. service you know bdr solution or something like that yeah and what she was right you know it, the thing is like you can't you know if you choose not to address this you can't choose like like the way you handle risk is you know you either address the risk you transfer the risk to someone else read insurance mm -hmm. you know you address it with compensations compensating controls um or you accept the risk you say yep we know this might happen and you know we'll deal with that if it happens mm -hmm. well, those are the three options the fourth option which most companies choose is ignore the risk ignore the risk yeah you can't do that that's not mm -hmm. that's not an option right mm -hmm. and um so you know i think that's that's but well, you know, for someone to say like, "Oh, we didn't know there was this thing called backups, and it's your fault that you didn't tell <laughs> us that," I'm like, "Well, maybe," but I don't see the part where you're paying me, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year to be your your CIO or your CISO. You know, I mm -hmm. guess I don't know. Maybe you are. You know, maybe that's the way you've positioned yourself as the expert, and we will quote unquote do everything for you. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, you know, I guess if you had positioned yourself as the, we will take care of everything. Sure. But to say, you know, like I'm providing you these three services and, Oh, I do other things, but I didn't tell you we did other things. And now mm -hmm. you can sue me because of that. Yeah. Ah, uh, that doesn't sit well with me. And I had a former client that, uh, that they, you know, we, we offer, um, an email monitoring package, uh, and it's, it's backended with a sock and everything. And we, we, we were selling that and mm -hmm. they didn't buy it. I mean, and I told them every TBR, you know, this is a service that we offer. You guys don't have this. I show them it, it's a risk, you know, and they didn't buy it. Well, their email got compromised. Their CEO had somebody in their mailbox, inter, you know, intercepting wire transfers and they sent wiring information to the wrong place and, and mm -hmm. lost tens of thousands of dollars. And they came back to me and I said, well, they, were, they wanted me to pitch in to pay for this. <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't give away your money. <laughs> you didn't call them. Well, no, we didn't call them. <laughs> you didn't know our email was insecure. I'm like, we don't secure your email. You don't pay for that. You know, you get whatever Microsoft does. And uh, they were like, well, you didn't sell it to us well enough. <laughs> That's what they told me. <laughs> they said, well, in that case, <laughs> I would like you to buy our full comprehensive package and it costs only a hundred thousand dollars a month. Yep. And there you go. Yeah. What am I not selling it good enough? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, after that, um, we don't offer, we don't work with anybody who doesn't take our full suite of security. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, I've not built a price in that yeah. this is what it costs and it yep. includes our full suite of security. Well, right. we don't need this. Yes, you do. This is the yeah. pay to play. I mean, if yep. you ante up, these are the things you have to have to protect your yep. company. If yep. you don't want those things, you should probably find another IT company because mm -hmm. we're not going to have a, I mean, we, we can't work together. Yep. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> so should we move on? 
I, we should we should move on. Okay, I have a <laughs> nifty with a question mark. Ah, it may be nifty. It's kind of nifty, but only nifty enough to warrant a two-star review from me in the App Store. Ah, okay. Okay, so the app is called Speechify. Speechify. And the reason I got it is I was looking for a a better um reader app and a um oh, listener of the friend of the show scott wilsey just seems to have facetimed me by accident so, <laughs> um speechify it it's i was looking for a better app so um a few years ago now for a few years i've been using voice dream to read mm-hmm. pdf and word documents and clipboard contents okay i'm getting sick of the voices and okay. especially with a new the AI generated stuff like the Eleven Labs voices and stuff, there are a lot better voices out there. But every time I go to the the Voice Dream marketplace for voices, they're still the same old slog, and they all sound computer generated, and I just don't like them. Hey, Peter. <laughs> yeah. So I downloaded. You know, I was like, "There's got to be something better." So I downloaded the free, you know, trial, three day trial of Speechify. And the sample voices they offer are Snoop Dogg, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Barack (laughs) Obama, and the narrator, who is like this grizzled old, you know, British type. Now, I was reading the Savage Worlds fantasy companion book. So essentially the Dungeons and Dragons book for Fat Savage Worlds. Mm -hmm. What better voice than this grizzled old, you know, British (laughs) style narrator? And it's really good. He's not, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Here's the three, three problems I had with it. Number one, it can't handle text columns properly. Oh, so if you have column one that reads down and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then wraps around to column two, it reads column one over to column two, column one over to column oh. two. <laughs> so it's like the quick brown fox ate a pizza and jumped over the lazy dog when he got home from school you know school i was like no no and you know when you're when i'm driving and i'm listening I'm like, wait that doesn't sound wait what have, what wait am no. i really tired and and the thing is i even changed the view because by default it shows the view like in pdf format with all the graphics and everything i even changed it to just plain text mm-hmm. but it still has all the text in broken format okay. so i was like all right that's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's, so that was number one problem. Number two problem, no search feature. So I cannot find like chapter 22 and jump there. I have to scroll through it and manually try to find that part of the book to uh, resume. Okay. All right. That's ridiculous. But here, the worst part of it, $139 a year subscription price. <laughs> now, if it was a tool I would use every day mm-hmm. and it had a search feature and it you know could handle formatted text properly and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm getting to the point. Yeah. You know, if I got enough value, you know, especially if it's got all these different voices that don't grate on me, like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Um, but right now I just cannot give it, you know, so I give it two stars just because the voices are very impressive. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I was like, Nope, not happening. So yeah. I'll I don't check know, I back. Might, well, yeah, I might give it a try because, I, well, it's very rare that I find a book that I want to read that isn't in Audible. Right. Uh, yep. And and I constant I have a you know paid for membership of Audible, so I buy right. three credits every month. Right. And I'm like, well, I'll just get it in Audible. And for me though, it's not usually books as much as like white papers. Um, the Verizon data breach incident reports, the, you know, crowd strikes, annual threat report, you know, things yeah. like that, which are, you know, like 20, 30 page long PDFs. I'd much rather have someone read those to me than me, you know, parsing through if something's interesting, I'll dive into it and I'll read it. But, yeah. you know, for stuff like that, I prefer greatly prefer just to hear, you know, something else reading it to me. And again, that's where I want a good voice. So I might even reach out and email the, um, the voice dream authors, and mm-hmm. just ask them like, hey, are you, you know, you working on any new voices that <clears throat> don't suck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. What you really need is a junior analyst to read that stuff for you. And you give it to no, them. Say, I need no. a summary in the morning. <laughs> that's where I could use 11 <laughs> labs, you know, but that's the thing is like, I could use, I could write. I even think I did. I think, um, um, working with, um, with, with my pal G GPT, I wrote and, you know, I co-wrote co-pilot wrote, uh, a Python script to parse a PDF file and voice output, you know, speak the text out mm -hmm. using an, an 11 labs library. Um, but it got really expensive really quickly. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't want to do that. You know, spending like a buck ever, I guess, I don't know. Having a, you know, spending a dollar to read a big PDF, you know, document to me, that's, that's probably worth it. Yeah. So you, well, this may be this, this, since we're on a could be nifty, um, one thing that I'm trying right now that could be nifty is monday.com. Have you used it? I have not used it. Um, I saw an ad for it and I was like, okay, this could be interesting, but I haven't used it. So, so is that, is this your new, you know, project planning, uh, you know, what are you using it for specifically? Yes. So I am right now I'm using it to uh, coordinate my onboarding. So okay. when I onboard a client, it involves sales team, account manager, marketing team, operations team, technical team. Now it used to be that I was all of those, <laughs> but now yep. I have people and I need to coordinate that whole process. So I need a project and I need, I need something to where all of us can work together. And what I hate is I hate to have another tool. I mean, I use so many tools right now for my business, another tool. I wanted to use my BMS, which has projects built into it. Yep. The problem is my marketing team and my sales team won't have access to BMS. They shouldn't, okay. they never right. create tickets. And yep. I don't want to pay a license fee of 70 some odd dollars a month for them to have access to a ticketing system that they only do projects whenever there's an onboarding. So Monday will allow us to, to do that collaboration outside in a whole other tool set, but all these team members can, can do it. And it's got some pretty cool automations. I, I mean, I haven't, it's got a lot of automations. It's got a lot of integrations. So the cool automations that I'm doing right now is let's say, let's say you and I are working together on a project. You're one team. I'm in another team. You have a task that's dependent upon me to finish before you can start on your task. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So you've got to get notification when I've completed my task. Mm -hmm. So it's got an automation when I change, and this is standard stuff. I mean, you love automation, so this, yeah. <laughs> you'll like oh, yeah. this. So I change my status to done on my task, which is which your task is dependent upon mine being complete. Yep. Yep. So Mark's mine is done. And then it sends you a notification and says, hey, Peter, task XYZ is complete. Your task XYZ is now in a status of ready and it changes your task to ready and you get an yep. email notification that you can kick in and get started on yours. Yep. And so it's, it's pretty slick that way. And yep. you know, the, what I'm doing with my help desk, see, here's the other thing is my, I've got help desk and I need them to time track because for, for my clients. So mm -hmm. the workaround that I did is when a help desk ticket comes up or my technical team needs to do something, it sends an email to my help desk email and then automatically generates a ticket so that then they will know to kick off on their task and that they're already ready to go on. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then they can keep track of it within their standard ticketing system because they have a ticket for that. And yep. I don't lose the hours with this third party app. So yep. good. Pretty That's slick. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole thing of like automatically telling people that, you know, like, look, you know, time to get to work, mm -hmm. you know, that's great. Uh, you know, so that they don't have to pull and look back and say like, oh, is Adam done yet? Nope. Oh, we're still waiting on Adam. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah, no, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. And they do have, I mean, you could do other things like, um, like I could comment in your task. Like mm -hmm. I could, I, if I go to your, so let's, let's say that you were waiting on me. Um, I could go to your task and say, Hey, Peter, I expect to be done with my task 
by the end of day today. So be looking for your yours tomorrow. So you don't have to do like a whole separate email on that. You do it right in the system. You get a notification. So yep. that's kind of nice. Yep. Oh, that's cool. I'm sh- pretty sure that Smartsheet has similar capabilities, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know that we're leveraging those where we use them. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, it's probably tougher for you guys to get integrations approved. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it is at the at the hospital. That much of this is no question. Mm-hmm. So. But hey, on that note, what do you say we wrap things up? Yes, sir. Let's wrap things up. We had a long episode, so that's good. People got their money's worth this this day. Every single penny. <laughs> So, dear listener, we do want your feedback. If you'd like to discuss a particular topic or you know some things about some of the things that we talked about and you can better inform us as well as inform our audience, then you can drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. You can find us, learn more about our hosts. You can learn more about Peter at Paradigm Consulting Co. LLC, ParadigmCC.com, YogaWithPeter.com, FriendsWithBrews.com, and on the Mastodon at Nicolaitis at Infosec.exchange. You can find me at Sublime Computer Services, SublimeComp.com, RRLavenderFarm.com, and at SublimeComp on the Twit. Er. Er. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we can hit the big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us. 